It is nice to be here. Uh, I first came here in, I think it was the mid-1990s. I was in my teens, and that was 25 years ago. Uh, many good things have happened for me here. Many moments of experiencing and meeting Jesus in a way that continues to change me. And many people fueled and supported and discipled and encouraged that. So thank you. I always feel a sense of gratitude when I come here. So let me begin with that. And also, it is remarkably warm to be here. Uh, we landed four days ago, and the first shock was green grass. I haven't seen grass for two months. We've had nothing but snowstorms that just keep coming at us. Uh, but to see green grass and to hear birds and to see daffodils, it's just remarkable. I've not seen any of that. We, we've had some fairly cold temperatures. My wife is currently at home with the puppy that we got, which is why she's not here. The two daughters, Eden and Esther, are with me. Eden's around, Esther's at the Forest Church, and Sarah is looking after the puppy and clearing snow, which has been the story of the last few months. Uh, I think this weekend's a bit warmer back home than it was uh, a few weeks ago. I think this weekend it's minus 15 in Celsius, so it's not too bad. It's warmer than it was a few weeks ago. It was in the minus 20s. Which is a challenge because you've got this puppy and we're training the puppy to, to, to do its business outside. So you get up very early to take the puppy out and you're in your PJs and it's minus something. And the temptation is to squeeze the dog to hurry up the process. <laughs> I don't know if that works, uh, but we're getting there. So that's why Sarah isn't with me. The dog's name is Bluebell. She is a blue border collie. Some of you remember I used to have... The, stat, the classic black and white border collie, and I wanted to get the same breed. Anyway, I'm straying slightly. Uh, it feels like I'm home, and then I land in Boston. As Mikey said, I lead a church on the south shore of Boston, and that feels like I'm home. Sometimes that feels fantastic. Sometimes it feels completely disorientating. In one extreme, there can be the feeling of, where do we fit? Where is home? And on some days, you can feel kind of homeless because you don't fit in there and you're not fully here and so on. And then there are other moments, like coming here, where it feels like, hey, I'm home. Uh, and I kind of want to look at that idea this morning. I want to talk about what, is, what does that mean? Because it isn't about houses. It's about something else. And I want to explore what does that mean. Recently, I was traveling and I was on a train. And it was perhaps the nicest announcement I've ever heard on the train. The person said, as we approached the platform, it was a busy platform, the person said, if you don't know your way, there is a friendly member of staff who will be able to help you. I thought, well, that sounds really nice. But I heard this sentence, if you don't know your way. I thought, oh, there's something in that. So we're going to explore some of that together. Sometimes we pretend that we know the way. Some of us hate to ask for directions or help. Sometimes we would rather get lost than ask for assistance. But I want to look at what does that mean? Where do we pitch our tent and how do we find a way? If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to John 14, verse 1 to 6. And I'm reading from the NIV. I believe the words will appear on screens of some manner. This is a well-known passage for some of us, which means sometimes we need to perhaps be a little bit more attentive to the thing behind the thing. John 14, 
This is Jesus speaking. And he said this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So in this world where sometimes, and you don't have to live somewhere else to have this feeling, but sometimes we can feel lost or like we don't know where we belong or we don't know where we fit. And sometimes that's louder on one day than it is on another day. Sometimes it's quiet in the morning and really loud in the afternoon, but it's still there. Where, where, where is home? Where do we forget? Where do we fit? And what is the way? This is a familiar passage, but it's quite an interesting passage in that it sounds like something, but actually maybe it's something else. And that's what I want to look at. So to explore this, Jesus says this, you believe in God, believe also in me. Something that I've noticed uh, over the last few years. Most people believe in God. We need to clearly communicate that this God is Jesus. Jesus himself is saying, it's good that you believe in God, believe also in me. I don't want to talk about God in a vague way that therefore gives vague directions that makes it very hard for anybody else to follow. The directions should be clear. Jesus is making it incredibly clear. He's pleased that you believe in God, believe also in me. It's crystal clear. Uh, the area of the states where I'm in, it's known as the New England states, and it's got a similar demographic in terms of Christian and church attendance and religious conviction, however you want to measure these things. And similar to here, I've experienced that most people believe in some God of some kind, but they don't know who he is or where he is. Jesus is answering the question that they are asking. You believe in God, believe also in me. The assumption from the hearers or the readers is that Jesus is talking about a place. It sounds like heaven. Sometimes we read this passage when we mourn the loss of someone. And while there's value in that, there's more going on. We read this, you know the way I'm going to prepare a place. It sounds like heaven, but it isn't. Because later they say, well, what is the way? We don't know the way. And Jesus changes it and says, it's me. I am the way. And then he says, nobody comes to the Father except through me. The goal is not a geographical location. It is not heaven. The goal is relationship with the Father, and it's made possible only through Jesus. Jesus is saying, I am the way. This is something that I think we need to be more clear and confident in saying. Jesus is not one way in many. He is the way. 
We need to refine the confidence and the clarity of our conviction to say the good news in a way that isn't fuzzy, vague, or to use the directions analogy, hard for anybody to, to try and find the way. But as Jesus is doing in this passage, we need to do likewise. Jesus is not one way in many. He is the way. Then there's this slight shift. And Thomas kind of speaks for us all, and there's this subtle word, we. He says, we don't know where you are going, and many of us on days feel like that. We could echo Thomas, and then later, if you read on, Philip says something similar. We don't know where you're going. While Thomas speaks for the broader sense with the word we, Jesus answers in a beautifully singular way to Thomas and then later to Philip, where he's saying, I am the way. This is an important shift. While sometimes we speak for everyone, so they say, or we don't know, or no one knows, Jesus is very personal in revealing himself to Thomas and then later Philip by saying, I am the way. It begins with personal revelation and personal experience. It isn't based on other people's experience, but it begins with us. And Jesus is revealing himself. So what do we do with this? Where am I going with this? I want to hang this on two ideas, two actions. The first one is we need to get to know Jesus. We need to know Jesus better. For some, we've known of Jesus, or we've been following Jesus for a long time, and the temperature of that is a little bit like the weather in Massachusetts. It goes up in the summer and unbelievably down in the winter, and we have those experiences in following Jesus. For others, it's a completely new experience. We know that we get to know people by spending time with them. So the simplicity of Jesus' invitation to follow me is to come and spend time with me in prayer, in worship, in reading the scriptures, and in gathering in other people who are working out what it means to know Jesus, who is the way. Spend time with him. Sometimes we would use this language in churches where we talk about seeking his presence. The first half of the Bible, the Old Testament, was written in Hebrew, and there isn't a word for presence, it's face. It's as if God is saying, seek my face. We don't just seek the atmosphere around God, we seek the face of God. And Jesus puts a face on this God and says, it looks like me. By so many people that are sleepwalking through life, and some of them don't know Jesus. And we have the joy and the mission, the great mission, to tell other people the way. The church was originally known as the way. When Acts begins, there's someone who's hostile to the church, his name is Saul, and he's pursuing people who are part of the way. The church was so convinced of its task that they were known as, living somewhere very cold, we do lots of activities inside. And When we first moved to the Boston area, we joined a gym with a swimming pool, and we would swim, and... Uh, my daughters swim often, and, and I swim often, and I've met lots of people. Finding myself in a, in a full-time church leader role, I had to be quite intentional that I don't just get stuck in this weird church bubble. So I joined a gym with a view of going regularly at the same time and meeting people. I joined a pool league, and I've met people playing eight-ball and nine-ball pool, which takes me to some really remarkable places. And that's interesting. And I still dabble in the fishing world. Some of you know I'm quite an enthusiastic fisherman. Although that's not easy when every lake and river has got two feet of ice on it. So in the winter, 
fishing is, is, is tough. I think I'm going to plan the winters with trips to warmer places. But anyway, that's a different conversation. Uh, I met somebody at the swimming pool. And he was in pain. And he was struggling. And I said, hey, I believe in Jesus. And the stories of Jesus, we see healing. And there isn't a part of the Bible where that stops. So can I pray for you for healing? And he looked at me, a little bit awkward, but said, okay. His name was Ed. I said, Ed, I'm going to pray for you every week. And next time I see every day, and next time I see you, I'll ask you how it's going. Uh, I saw him a few weeks later. I was excited. I said, Ed, how are you doing? And he looked at me, remembered me. I said, how's, how's your knee? I've been praying every day. And I had this enthusiastic tone, like, here comes one of those miracle stories. And he said, it's got worse. I said to him, I'm so, sorry, I will stop praying for you. <laughs> Which actually was a great answer, because he said, no, don't do that. Don't do that. And that actually triggered the conversation for, let's keep going with this. Let's not be dismissive of this. A uh, couple of other moments. Uh, recent stories. Last week, I was swimming. I've got the same routine. I swim half a mile. It takes just under 20 minutes. And then I sit in the hot tub for about the same time. It's the exact same routine. I do it three or four times a week. Uh, I've met some wonderful people doing this. Last week on Wednesday, I met a guy called Steve. Steve grew up with some kind of Catholic background, but rejected that a long time ago, wasn't interested. I sat down quietly, and I didn't have much time because I needed to pick my daughter easing up from school. I sat down, and he said, Adam, you do this church stuff? And I said, yeah. He said, I've got some questions, and no one's ever been able to answer them, which is not the strongest intro because you're like, okay, now it's my turn to not be able to answer your questions. But he asked lots of questions, and I said, hey, the questions are fine. He said, this has surprised me. Previously, when I've asked questions of, of ministers or people in the church, sometimes they've been hostile to my questions. They've not liked the doubts. They want me just to believe what they believe. I said to him, hey, Jesus loved people that had questions. Jesus asked more questions sometimes than on days when he gave answers. So your questions are welcome. Let's explore them. So he's texting me all these questions now that he would like to ask God. But he said this to me. He said, Adam, the problem I'm having is the dates don't add up. From what I do remember, this happened on this date. But if Jesus was born then, this doesn't make sense for this or this. And I said, that's true. But there's a chance you're looking at the text kind of, you know, almost in a one-dimensional way. What's a more interesting thing is what is God doing in that moment? Not just when did it happen and was it this day or this day, but what is God doing in that moment? And for you, what is God doing in this moment in these questions? He said, I've never seen it like that. And it was a, it was a shift. It was a moment where suddenly he was starting to see that this God welcomes our questions as all and all because we don't all know the way all the time. And at the end, and I was rushing because I needed to get going to pick up Eden, he said, Adam, I'm just someone sat in a hot tub on a Wednesday afternoon asking some weird questions. I said, you are, but it's not about the dates because, for one thing, we're not sat in a hot tub on a Wednesday afternoon. No, he said on Tuesday afternoon. I said, it's Wednesday. He thought it was Tuesday. I said, but what's more important as this illustration of you not knowing the day of the week is, what God is doing in the moment is more important then are we right or are we wrong on every single detail? Are we introducing people to Jesus? Last story. Uh, I met someone on Friday in, uh, we have something called Panera bread, which is like pret, but not quite as nice, and in true Boston style, four times the price. Uh, and I met this person who 
last year separated from his wife and he's struggling. And I just found this text that I've read to you this morning to be so helpful. Most people believe in something, but they don't know who this God is. They don't know what he's about and they don't know what it means to them. And I spoke to him about Jesus, who said that he's the way. And when we get lost and when we get confused and when we don't know the way, which we all find ourselves in that camp on some days, Jesus illuminates the way. And I spoke to this guy over a coffee, uh, prayed with him, and I'm seeing these moments of change. I'm seeing that the clarity of the gospel still changes lives, absolutely changes the dynamic around us. In November, as in last November, Mikey Oldford, who many of you know, was visiting, and Mikey and I were doing some filming. Mikey quite likes uh, extreme weather. At the moment, he's enjoying the snow very much. One of the reasons he's enjoying the snow is because we borrowed a house for him where somebody else drives a big truck with a plow and clears the drive. So I'm, I'm slightly sad that he wakes up and the drive is all cleared and sorted for him because that's part of the experience. But in November, we were driving back, Mikey and I, and suddenly all our phones made this strange warning noise. It was a statewide warning that there was a tornado watch in our area. Mikey was like, yes, I've never seen a tornado. I said, well, I've come close to one. I don't know if I want to see one today. So we, we, we drove back, and all the instructions were go into the basement, close all the windows, close all the doors, turn everything off. We turned the TV on, and it was one of these weird moments you see in movies. Every channel was the same with this warning. And it feels real. The lights flicker. We're like, yes, Mikey's like, come at us. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know about this. We only bought this house last summer. There's some tall trees nearby. Fortunately, it didn't hit us. But it did hit someone else. And the strength of the warning really stuck with me. For somebody, this is real. For others, it's just a funny experience. But for somebody, it's real. Jesus gave frequent warnings. Not to scare people, but to warn them of the danger of refusing the way. Of refusing himself. He wasn't trying to frighten people into some Christian club. He was trying to reveal the goodness of God, who has a name and has a face, and it's Jesus. And he gave clear warnings. And we can think, oh, it's not us, the tornado somewhere else. At some point, we don't know where we are in the mix. Jesus' warnings, I think they're important for us. What do we do with them? Do we know the way well? And are we showing the way well to others? I think the last two years have stripped back so much. The question is, what, is it, what remains? What's left? And in many ways, what's on the table is a great symbol. It is Jesus, the revelation of God in human form. Well, we're not talking about a fuzzy God. We're talking about a God that has a name, who has a face, not just a presence. And a task for us in many different ways and places, as best as we can, to give directions to others too. So my hope, my prayer, my encouragement is may we know the way, may we know the way well, that on days when we're confused or when days when things don't go to plan, may we be those people that know the way and our trust is in him.
And may we be a church, and when I say a church, I don't mean an organization or a building. I mean a people movement of Jesus followers who with clarity and grace, but with a sense of urgency and warning, because for someone this thing is real, may we give clear directions that others can follow. That's what I want to pray for us for today. Why don't you close your eyes? many of us, Lord, there's times when we've known you and we don't know you as well as we used to. Thank you, Father, that those people were some of the most welcomed people around you. Thank you, Jesus, that while Thomas or Philip are asking vague questions, you're answering in a wonderfully personal way. So Lord, I pray now. In fact, I'm going to do this. You've got your eyes closed. I'm not going to move people to come forward. If you used to be closer to Jesus than what you probably are now, why don't you stand? I want to pray for you. And if you're joining us online, then make a decision for yourself. Jesus, for the times when we've strayed, when our doubts and our questions or maybe the circumstances of life have caused us, I guess, to get lost. Lord, please reveal yourself to us afresh in new ways. Lord, clear away the baggage that we've collected and reveal Jesus to us afresh, I pray. And the second element that I looked at, the giving the directions for others, the showing the way. There's a challenge here. In Jesus' day, there were people that were considered religious. They attended church. They gave. They tithed. They knew the scriptures. But on occasion, Jesus called them blind guides because they were not pointing the way for others. They were doing all the other stuff. If this has not been your practice, I want to pray for you. I want to pray a filling of the Holy Spirit. So if for you in recent times, and again, it may be that this is something that we used to do, and we don't do it anymore. Why don't you stand? I want to pray for you. Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fuel your church, which is the men and women, the people of God, to do the simple, clear, unique task that you asked us to. Lord, forgive us for the times when we've done all the other things, but we haven't guided anybody. Lord, we don't want to be blind guides. Lord, I pray for the witness of the church, that in our lives, in our actions, in our conduct, and in our words, that we would clearly point people to Jesus. 
Thank you, Father, that you do not present a fuzzy God that cannot be found, directions that don't make sense. But through Jesus, you reveal that he is the way to the Father. Lord, fill us, fuel us, and use us effectively for your purpose, I pray.